0: wonderful he is. I don't know about you, but I know you even more than me today being out there. I, I study on Wednesday, so I'm not out there in the world, but I know how wonderful it must be for you to be able to break away sometimes and get out from in that world and Get out from all the trials and the tribulations and the struggles that you must face from day to day and be in the house of God tonight. Amen. I'm thankful that you're here. Most of all, I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit is here. I want to finish up on the word portion of spiritual discipline, which we've been looking at. I want to try to finish up tonight. Actually, I will finish up tonight on the, the word portion. and Look at the power that it has to keep us and lead us and empower us uh, in our Christian walk. Amen. But before we do... We're going to once again ask the Lord to anoint me, anoint you, because how many of you know we need him? Amen. So let's just confess that. Father God, we confess our need for you this evening. We confess our need for you to uh, be behind this pulpit and in front of this pulpit. I confess my need for your anointing, for your wisdom, for your strength, for your truth and your revelation. I just need you tonight, Father God, to bring forth with clarity and with anointing and with power the words that you've sown into my spirit. I thank you, Father God, for every word that you've already sown into my life, the words that you've spoken to me and challenged me with... Tonight I pray that those same words would make their way into the ears of your people and into the hearts of your people. I pray for your anointing over me and your anointing over the people as well, that they might receive your word with gladness. Most of all, God, that you would empower us to be doers of your word and not just hearers only, so that when we leave your house, we will leave changed by the power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Last week... Uh, I kind of rushed through it because I got so caught up in some other things in the beginning of the pat in the beginning of the message. But last week we looked at Matthew chapter four and Jesus's temptation in the wilderness. We looked at how the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted, how He led Him into the wilderness to be tried, and how He overcame with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Three times in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was tempted by the devil, and three times He overcame by the Word of God. Amen? And we can overcome with the same weapon. We can overcome with the same tool. We just have to learn how to use it. We need to learn its importance Um, I had to, like I said, rush through, seemed like I rushed through the temptations only got to cover two of them last week. I want to cover the third this week. I also want to spend just a few minutes recapping on those first two temptations just so it flows properly with the word Lord has given me tonight. But I first, I want you to remember, uh, in Matthew chapter four, that, that Jesus was not led into the wilderness to be overcome. I want you to know that when you read chapter 4 and you study chapter 4 and you, 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 you begin to understand it, you're going to learn that Jesus wasn't led into the desert to be overtaken and he wasn't led to be defeated. Uh, God didn't take his son into the wilderness to end his ministry, and that's not why he takes you into the wilderness either. You need to understand that when God takes you into a wilderness situation like he did his son Jesus Christ, he takes you there to strengthen you. He takes you there. It might be a trial and it might be a tribulation. It might be a little difficult and it might be uncomfortable, but he takes you there to mature you. He takes you there to strengthen you. He takes you there to build you up. He takes you there to take you from glory to glory to glory to another level. And if we don't ever experience or we never allow God to take us into a wilderness situation, guess what? We'll never mature, we'll never be strengthened, and we'll never grow. Some of you might be here tonight in a wilderness situation, and and I want you to understand that while you're there, God's goal is to strengthen you and to bring you out better than you went in. Amen? So uh, this is what we need to remember, that Jesus was led into the wilderness to be prepared for ministry. He was led into the wilderness to be strengthened and to Equipped and established in his ministry and even prepared for the cross. It was a time of testing, and it's much like a testing you and I will go through in our lives. Uh, a, A true Christian cannot go through his Christian life without experiencing testing, without experiencing trials and tribulations, and heartache and sadness and sorrow in their life. It is part of the maturity process. We're going to look at that a little bit as we go. But like I said last week, sometimes God takes us through the fire to refine us. Sometimes He takes us through the flood to not wash us away, but to wash us clean. Sometimes, even though our God is a loving God and a compassionate God, sometimes our Father takes us through the storm simply for us to understand that He is the anchor that holds in the midst of the storm. How many of you ever been there? You've been tossed about to and fro by the winds and by the waves And all of a sudden, in the midst of that storm, you you, you finally discovered that God is the only anchor that holds. He is the only sure foundation and the only thing that you can cling to. So I want you to understand and be encouraged. When you find yourself in a situation like that on stormy seas, God will let you go there so that you grab onto God. He'll let you go there so that you grab on to the Word of God and discover that's that anchor that holds. What we have to realize, church, is that spiritual growth isn't comfortable. Spiritual discipline and spiritual maturity and spiritual exercise isn't comfortable. It often requires discomfort. It often requires us to endure and have to go through a little pain, a little bit of pain in our life. As a matter of fact, if you're comfortable in your faith this evening, chances are you're not growing. I'm not saying this in a condemning way. I'm just saying it so that we understand that the reality is that if you're comfortable in your current spiritual condition, there's a good chance that you're not maturing in the Lord. If you're if you're comfortable in your Christian walk, if you're comfortable coming to church on Sunday morning, if you're comfortable with your favorite song, if you're comfortable with your favorite pew, if you're comfortable with those that are sitting around you, if you're comfortable with your your weekly routine that you go through the chances are you are not developing properly in your face. It's most likely that you are not being strengthened the way you need to be strengthened. If you have never moved out of your comfort zone, if you have never felt yourself being stretched and pulled from different directions, if you have never found yourself in a place of fire, if you have never felt safe, if found yourself in a place where you're uncomfortable and it hurts a little bit, The chances are you are not being transformed into the likeness of God. It means that you have settled for less than God has in store for you. And and the truth is it's exactly where the devil wants to keep you. It's exactly where the devil wants you to reside and spend your entire Christian life on the comfy cozy couch of Christianity. But sometimes we've got to get out of that recliner and we've got to start doing some things that are a little bit uncomfortable. Amen. So I hope tonight that you allow God to move you out of your comfort zone into a place where he can do something incredible in your life. Pastors commented several times from the pulpit that he is here as a pastor to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And he says that, church, because it's the only way that you and I will grow. He says that because it's the only way that we'll find spiritual maturity in our life. It's the only way that you and I will come to this place of godliness that Paul was talking to Timothy about when he said, Discipline yourself, Timothy, for the purpose of godliness. The reason the pastor brings difficult words from time to time is so that you might become godly. The reason I bring some difficult words sometimes uh, is so that you might become Godly. The the reason God gives me these words, it's not just for you. It's so that I might become godly. So that I might be the individual that God has called me to be and anointed me to be and ordered me to be. Amen? So this is what God speaks for you uh, as well. The, The truth is the only way for a muscle to be strengthened, the only way for a muscle to be built up, church, is for it to be stretched to a place of discomfort. And sometimes stretch to a place of pain. I don't know how many of you are into bodybuilding and exercising and all that. But you used to hear the saying, if there's no pain, there's no gain. The reality is that the same truth applies to Christianity. You cannot go through your Christian life pain-free. You cannot go through your Christian life always feeling comfortable. Of course, there's times there's not going to be pain. And of course, there's times there's not going to be trials and tribulations and discomfort in your life. But when they come, it's so that you and I might be strengthened and so that you and I might be built up in the most high faith. The same is true in our spirit just like Jesus in the wilderness we too must be stretched spiritually to a place of discomfort not to be overcome but to become overcomers. How many of you want to be overcomers? That we need to learn how to make it through adversity. We need to learn how to make it through trials and tribulations in our life. We need to be able to overcome the bad report that the doctor brings into our life or the, the difficulties of marriage or the struggles that we have with our children and our teenagers. I've got teenagers of my own. I've got a family of my own. I've got a marriage of my own. I've had businesses of my own. I know what it's like to go through some of the things that all of you go through. But what we cannot do is lose hope and... And the understanding that God is with us in the midst of those trials and tribulations in order to make us strong. Amen? Remember, we've got to remember in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, It tells us that God will not allow us to be tempted beyond that which we, were, beyond that which we are able to endure. When we look at this word temptation, I want you to understand that it doesn't, all, it doesn't mean like this. Lustful temptation. Even though those are temptations that come our way and these are temptations we will face in life. The word temptation here, it means it it, it leans towards being afflicted. It, It leans towards trial and tribulation and the circumstances of life. So I can say it this way. We need to understand that God will not allow us to be afflicted beyond that which we are able to endure. He will not allow a trial to come into your life that is greater than you are able to endure. He will not allow you to to suffer the circumstances of life that you are not able to endure. But whatever circumstance you go through, whatever affliction you go through, whatever trial or tribulation you go through, the Bible tells us that in the midst of it all, God will provide with that temptation, with that affliction, with that storm, with that sadness, with that sorrow, with that trial, a way of escape so that you and I might endure, so that you and I might overcome. Jesus' way of escape in the wilderness was simply the Word of God. This is your greatest weapon, I'll tell you. When you are faced with trial and tribulation, this must be the first thing that you go to. you got to go to your knees, you got to go to God, and you've got to go to the Word. These These are the things that are going to help you through your spiritual struggle and through your trials and tribulations. What we have to realize, church, is that Our best interest is God's number one priority. Yours and my best interest is God's number one priority. I know there's times it doesn't feel like it. I know there's times it doesn't look like it. I know there's times it doesn't sound like it, and it doesn't seem like God's got our best interest at heart, but I want you to be reminded that the Word of God tells us God knows the plan that He has for you, plans to bless you and not harm you, plans to give you hope, and plans to give you a future, and the reality is His ways are higher than our ways, and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. As high as the heaven is above the earth, the Bible says His ways are higher than my ways, and His thoughts higher than than mine. I can't figure out God's thoughts. I can't figure out God's plan. And guess what? Neither can you. That's why we just got to rest in the fact that God is God and God knows what he's doing and that God will never lead you into a situation that he will not give you a way to escape. He's never going to lead you into a trial or a tribulation that he will not empower you to overcome. And this is what we need to be built up in, in, in the most high faith by understanding. So when we study Matthew chapter 4, we have to also understand James chapter 1 verse 13 that says, "...let no man say when he is tempted that I am tempted of God, for God is not tempted with evil, nor does He tempt man in any way." You see, you and I need to understand that Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit will never ever, ever, ever tempt you to sin. The the Holy Spirit will never, ever, ever tempt you away from the Father. The Holy Spirit will never tempt you away from your Father which is in heaven. He will never tempt you away from righteousness. He will never tempt you away from holiness. He will never tempt you away from the word of God and the Spirit of God. He won't tempt you away from the house of God the devil will, but God won't. And so we need to understand when, when Matthew chapter four is talking about this temptation, it, it, we need to understand that God will never lead us into that kind of temptation. He'll never lead us away for, from God. The Bible goes on to say in James chapter one thirteen, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust. You need to understand and I need to understand that when we fall, we fall because of our own lust. We fall because of our own choice. We fall because of our own decision. Trust me, when that man is headed down the road on his way to the bar to get drunk, the Holy Spirit is doing everything he can to keep that individual from going into that bar. He's doing everything he can. He'll he'll cause stoplights to turn on. He'll cause people to cut him off. He'll cause his phone to ring. The Holy Spirit will do whatever he can to keep you and I on the right path. He will never lead us into those kind of temptations. When we, when we give into those kind of temptations and we're overcome by those temptations, it's because of our own lust. It's because of our own choice and because of our own decision. This is not the kind of God we serve. He does not tempt you to destroy you. He does not take you into a wilderness situation to wipe you out. That's not the kind of God we serve. And we need to understand that, church. We've got to understand that when someone goes to the strip club, it's not the Holy Spirit that led them there. It's not the Holy Spirit that was leading him to the strip club to be tempted of the devil. That's not how God works. The flesh led them there. When someone goes to buy their illegal drugs, when someone meets up with a woman or a man that's not their spouse, when someone enters into an ungodly relationship and they are unequally yoked, you and I need to clearly understand that it is not the Holy Spirit or God that led you there. He didn't lead you into an ungodly, unequally yoked relationship for anyone to get someone else saved. Guess what? That's God's job, and that's the Holy Spirit's job. And when you get in the way of that, you're getting in the way of God's plan for that individual's life. When you get in the way of that, you're getting in the way of the anointing and the power that you're going to have, that you could have in your life, and that other individual could have in their life. God does not lead us into those kind of temptations, we walk into those temptations all on our own. And we need to understand that when someone goes to the computer to look at pornography, when they go to the bar to get drunk, when they pick up the phone to gossip, you need to clearly understand that it is not the Holy Spirit that leads them to do that. This is not the way God tempts us. God doesn't lead you into that kind of temptation to say, okay, well, I'm going to lead them there and let's see how they do. And if they fail, then I'm going to zoom them. I'm going to strike them. That's not how God works. And yet the house of God is filled with individuals that think that's the way God works. It's not the kind of God we have. Again, I'll say when we make those kinds of decisions, we do it on our own. Those temptations that I all talked about, they don't come from the Holy Spirit. They come from an evil spirit. They don't come from heaven. Those temptations come from hell. And we need to, we need to understand the difference. We need to understand where those temptations are coming from. And we need to respond to them accordingly accordingly. God does not lead us into those kind of trials or uh, temptations. We walk there ourselves. And when we do, we've got to understand that God is not responsible for the outcome. When we walk in those ways, we've got to understand that God's not responsible for the consequences of our choices and our decisions. Because the fact is, God might take you to a storm. God might take you to a lion's den. God might take you to a fiery furnace. God might take you to a Red Sea or a Jordan River. He might take you to a wilderness situation. But God will never, ever, 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 ever tempt you to sin. He never has, amen, and He never will. We sin all, we sin all on our own. We don't need God's help to sin. We need God's help to overcome sin. We need God's help to be more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. And that is why He has given us the Word so that we might overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the Word of our testimony. And without it, we'll be overcome. I've shared that all before, but I like to recap as you know. So when looking at Matthew chapter 4, we always have to remember that Jesus was led in the wilderness to be prepared for ministry. While the devil tried to prevent his ministry. We need to understand that the spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to launch his ministry and establish his ministry. While the devil showed up to end his ministry. And the devil will do the same exact thing for you. He'll do the same exact thing with you or to you. You and I need to understand that every one of us have been called to the cross. Every single one of us in this place have been called to deny ourself and take up our cross and follow him. Whether you're standing behind a pulpit or whether you're seated in front of it, every single one of us have been called into the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the only way that you and I will ever fulfill that ministry is to learn how to overcome the temptations of this world through the word of God, the power of God, and the spirit of God in our lives. The devil will do all that he can to prevent your ministry, your personal, spiritual, Christian ministry from being fulfilled in your life. It's the only reason the devil showed up in the wilderness. It was to keep Jesus' ministry from ever being established. You need to understand, Jesus' ministry had not even started yet. He had, never, he had not even laid a hand on anyone yet. He had never even spoken a word to anyone yet. He had never del- delivered anyone yet. But the devil knew what Jesus was doing in the wilderness. And he knew that if I can stop him here, if I can get him here, if I can trick him here, if I can seduce him here and tempt him here, his ministry's done before it even gets started. And you need to understand from the moment you say, God, come into my life, the devil is right on your heels. From the moment you say, Father, forgive me of my sins, the devil is right on your heels. Because as soon as you confess God is Lord, it means you have confessed that you are willing to enter into the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the last thing the devil wants is for that ministry to be successful in your life. He doesn't want you having an impact in your home. He doesn't want you having an impact at the workplace. He doesn't want you having an impact in a relationship or in a family. He doesn't want you having an impact on a college campus or wherever. The Holy Spirit will lead you. So before your ministry is even started, the devil will be there to try to tempt you away from God. Away from your ministry and away from your calling. I hope you realize, I've said it before... I am not the only one called to the ministry of the gospel. Pastor is not the only one called to the ministry of the gospel. Every single individual that calls himself a Christian and says, I belong to God, belongs in the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the devil will do everything that he can to keep you from fulfilling that ministry in your life. While God is trying to strengthen you. While God is trying to stretch you, while God is trying to develop you and mold you and form you and fashion you and to prepare you for ministry and launch you into ministry, while, while God is trying to take you from one level of spirituality to another, while, while, while God is trying to take you from the playpen into a, into another level, guess what the devil's busy trying to do? He wants to keep you exactly where you are. While while God is trying to stretch you, the devil is trying to stop you. This is what you and I need to understand, church. The Holy Spirit will lead you to the Word of God, not to those kinds of temptations. But here's what happens. The Holy Spirit will lead you to the Word of God. He'll lead you to a place of personal preparation, just like Jesus was led to in the wilderness. And the devil will tempt you while you're there. The Holy Spirit will lead you to a personal place of prayer, just like Jesus was praying in the wilderness. He will lead you to a place of spiritual stretching and strengthening, just like the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. For But the devil will show up while you're there and he'll try to tempt you. The Holy Spirit will lead you away into a wilderness situation to make you more like God. He'll lead you into a wilderness situation to prepare you for something awesome God has in store for you, to prepare you for a ministry, to prepare you to answer the call, to prepare you for a marriage, to prepare you for a business, to prepare you for whatever it is God has ordained in your life. And while God has you there trying to stretch you, guess who shows up? The devil does, and he will tempt you you away from God just like he tried to do with Jesus. And here's what you and I need to understand. Just because God knew the devil was going to show up in the wilderness didn't mean God was didn't wasn't going to take Jesus there. You understand what I'm saying? Probably stumbled over my words. Just because God knows that the devil is going to show up in your wilderness situation doesn't mean God won't take you there. What it means is that God knows what he's doing, and that even though you're going to face temptation, God will provide you a way of escape. So you here's what you need to understand. That that even though God knows the devil's going to show up in whatever situation or whatever circumstance of life you're going to face tomorrow, sometimes he lets us go there. If If... If God reacted based on what the devil's gonna do, God would never accomplish anything in your life because the devil will always try to stop you. That, listen, that's not the kind of God we serve. We serve the kind of God that's willing to push you out of the nest so you learn how to fly. We, we serve a God that's willing to push you out of the nest so you know how to uh, flap your wings, so you know how to stop relying on mommy, so you learn to go out and get your own food and get your own bread and satisfy your own soul. This is the kind of God that we serve. He's the kind of God that knows the plan that He has for you to bless you and not harm you, and whether the devil's going to show up or not, He's still going to take you where He wants to take you. And then, listen to me, then it's up to us to listen. Then it's up to us to obey. Then it's up to us to follow. God doesn't force Himself on us. He doesn't make you obey. He doesn't make me obey. If God forced us to obey, He wouldn't have had to send His Son, Jesus Christ. There would be no need for the blood if God forced us to obey. But that's not the kind of God we serve. We have a choice to follow God. We have a choice to be overcome or to be overcomers. And if you want to be overcomer, it starts right here with the word of God and the spiritual disciplines that we have talked about. When we face these times, circumstances of life, trials, tribulations, the temptations that, that Jesus was talking about in and was experiencing in Matthew chapter 4, we've got to do exactly what Jesus did. And that was use the word of God. Because we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. So if you want to overcome, you've got to really use the word. Hear it, read it, study it, speak it, obey it, believe it, trust it, wield it. And I could go on and on and on. There's so many things that we need to do with the word. But since I rushed through Matthew chapter 4 last week, real quickly. In the moments that I have, I think I have enough time to recap real quick on the first two temptations and then look at the third temptation to see how Jesus overcame with the word. He started with the word and he finished with the word. First temptation. Jesus was tempted by the lust of the flesh. Again, I'm recapping. We went over this last week. But after fasting for 40 days, the Bible tells us that Jesus was hungry Tells us that his stomach was crying out for food, that his flesh was making itself known. You and I, we've been there. You've been in that place just like me, where our flesh makes itself known. Hey, hey, hey! I'm here! I, I want some attention! I want some food! I want some lovin'! I want some, I want some whatever! And that's the way our flesh acts, and it's exactly what was happening even to Jesus. His flesh was making itself known. The Bible says he was hungry. Some of us, imagine, some of us go one meal, and our stomach, rawr, 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 rawr. Jesus went 40 days. It probably sounded like there was a, a, a drummer's march going on. He, he was hungry, the Bible says, but yet he didn't satisfy the desires of his flesh. He was tempted by the lust of the flesh. His flesh was weak and Satan came knocking. And how many of you know that's exactly when the devil shows up? He shows up when we're weak. He shows up when we're being stretched in our faith. He shows up when we're going through that time of difficulty. He shows up in that time of trial or tribulation when we're sad, when we're sorrowful, when we're crying the blues, when we can't figure out where we're going. This is exactly when the devil shows up. He also shows up when God's about to launch you off of a launching pad. He, he he shows up when 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 God's about to do something incredible in your life, when He's about to take you to another level. Why do you think so many people struggle and go through this catch-22 thing? Why do you think so many people struggle with addictions and they struggle with all these, these, these vices in their life? It's because God wants to do something in their life. God's got a plan for them. God's got a, a vision for them and a purpose for them. And God wants to launch them into ministry and blessing and power but the devil comes in and he, he he shows up so they never can be launched so they can never be loosed to do kingdom work and to change lives we're all the same way it's exactly when the devil shows up he wants to defeat you before you even get started and the only way that you and i will overcome that is to begin to speak the word of god against the enemy just like jesus did like i discussed last week jesus in jesus's moment of weakness Satan says to him, Why not turn these stones into bread? Why not satisfy the desires of your flesh, Jesus? Why not give in to these earth or, or carnal cravings, Jesus? Why not satisfy yourself with these stones, he said. And the devil does the same with us. He wants us to satisfy our flesh. He wants us to try and satisfy our flesh with the stones of this world. He wants us to satisfy our flesh with with the things that are unclean, with the things that are accursed, with the things that are temporal, with the things that are passing away. He wants us to try to satisfy our flesh with the the fleeting pleasures of sin. What you and I need to realize is that the, the only thing those stones will do is to weigh you down even more. The only thing those stones will do is to leave an empty craving in your soul uh, one day, one hour, one month after you tried to satisfy yourself with those stones that this world has to offer. You see, I hope you understand that everything this world has to offer is nothing more than a stone. That Everything this world has to offer is nothing more than temporal. It cannot satisfy the longings of your soul, the desires of your heart, church, because there's only one person that can satisfy the thirsty. There's only one person that can sat, that, that can fill the hungry with all good things, and that is the person of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. There's only one piece of bread that will satisfy the longings of your soul, and it is this loaf of bread right here. It is the precious Word of God that satisfies the longings and the hungerings of our soul. So you and I must rise up in the face of the devil when he comes to us at temptation and says, no way am I going to try to satisfy myself with the, the stones of this world because jesus said man doesn't live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of god this is the way jesus overcame it's the way you and i need to overcome as well you see the devil wanted jesus to operate in the flesh rather than in the spirit but what did jesus do he spoke the word of god And when he spoke it, he defeated the flesh. When he spoke it, he defeated the devil. When he spoke it, he defeated the temptation that he was faced with. So if you want to overcome the flesh... Speak the word of God. If you want to overcome the devil, speak the word of God. If you want to overcome temptation, use the word of God. If you want to overcome the temptation, which I told you, covers affliction, covers circumstances of life, covers trials and tribulations and storms. If you want to overcome all of these things, it begins, listen, you've got to use the word of God. You've got to hear the word of God. You've got to read the word of God. You've got to study the word of God. You've got to speak the word of God. Trust the word of God. Obey the word of God. Ingest the word of God. Lean on the word of God. Walk with the word of God. This is how you and I will overcome the lust of the flesh. It's with the word of God. I'm not talking, when I talk about speaking the word of God, There is power in the Word, but here's what I want you to understand. When I'm talking about speaking the Word of God over your enemy, I'm not talking about this name it and claim it. I'm not talking about this name it and stick it up on a frame and put it up on you. And there's nothing wrong with framing the Word of God. Understand what I'm saying. I'm not talking about haphazardly uh, blabbing and grabbing the promises that God has for us. I am talking about the, the, the powerful... Word of God. I'm not talking about speaking Cadillacs into your existence. I'm not talking about speaking a whole bunch of money into your bank account. I'm not talking about speaking possessions or worldly possessions into your possessions. When I talk about speaking the Word, I'm talking about speaking the Word to your mountain. I'm talking about speaking the Word to your giant. I'm talking about speaking the Word to your sickness, which is trying to invade your body, to the wall of Jericho that stands in the way Or a Goliath that is keeping you from your promise. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about speaking the word of God. We need to stop cowering at the enemy and start releasing the power of the word against our enemy. So that we can find victory in our lives. So that we can be overcomers. Amen. Bless the Lord. So that we can be overcomers. These words are life, Jesus said. And we need to learn to use them. Verse five, the devil tempts Jesus again. Now it's with the pride of life. Real quick, I'm going to look at this one. Scripture tells us that Satan takes Jesus supernaturally into the holy city and he stands him on the pinnacle of the temple. And while Jesus is standing there, right next and, and the devil right next to him, he said, If you really are the Son of God, if you really are the the the, the Son of God, if you're really who you say you are, then jump, Jesus. Said, Prove it, Jesus. Like I said last week, the devil wanted to do nothing more than to defile the temple, wanted Jesus to defile the temple with pride. He said, throw yourself down from here. And when I studied that and I read the, uh, the, the original meaning of it, he, it means this. He said, Jesus, I want you to intentionally and purposely thrust yourself off of this pinnacle It means a whole lot more than just Jesus falling off the the, the pinnacle, more than Jesus kind of jumping off the temple. The devil wanted Jesus to intentionally and purposely thrust and throw himself off of the temple. Why? Because he wanted him to intentionally and purposely throw off his humility. Humility was the only thing that was going to take Jesus to the cross. Humility was the only thing that was going to give him that name which was above every name. That name which every knee will bow at and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. His humility was the only thing that was going to give him a crown and give him that scepter and give him that right hand seat beside the Father. It was humility and the devil knew it. You see, the devil was cast out because of pride. He fell from his place in heaven and he wanted Jesus to do the same exact thing. And he'll do the same exact thing with you me. He wants us to intentionally throw off humility so that pride will reside in our heart so that we will be expelled from the blessings and the, and the company of the Father. You and I must clearly understand that, that pride has the power to destroy our life. The devil knew it. It's exactly why he took Jesus to the temple and said, throw yourself down. It's why he played with his pride, because he knew that pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a great fall. The devil knows that pride has the power to destroy your marriage. It has the power to destroy your family. It has the power to destroy your finances. It has the power to destroy your mind. And everything that you will ever set your hand to accomplish in life, pride can destroy it all. And this is exactly what the devil wants to do in your life too. He will, he will take you to the pinnacle of pride. Pride just so you will throw down humility. Listen, if you operate in pride, you are nothing like Jesus Christ. Nothing. The Bible says that we are to have the same attitude as Christ had, who even though he came in the form of God, he did not count equality with God, anything to be grasped, but he humbled himself. He emptied himself. He made himself nothing. He took on the form of a bond servant and became obedient even to death and death on a cross. This is what allowed him to rise up to that place of exaltation and to that place of honor. And what the devil wants to do Is to smear the image of God in your life. You and I were created in the image of God, and the best way to foil that image, the best way to mess up that masterpiece, is for pride to rest on the throne of your heart. And the devil's going to come to you every single day. He's going to lift you up and raise you up and say, "Okay, throw down the pride, or throw down the humility." And God is telling us tonight, "Look, throw down the pride. Throw it down. Put it aside." uh, Because the only way that you're going to rise up, the only way that you're going to be exalted is if you're willing to humble yourself. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and guess what? God will raise you up. It's exactly what Jesus did. But he overcame pride with the word of God. This is what I want you to understand as well. Jesus did not settle for stones. Listen. He did not defile the temple He did not surrender to Satan while he was in the wilderness. He overcame with the Word of God in his life. The best way for you to defeat pride in your life, the best way to keep the pride off the throne of your heart is by keeping the Word of God on your heart. The best way to keep the devil off of your heart is by keeping God on your heart. The best way to overcome the the pride of life, church, is through the Word of God. It's through soaking the soil of your soul with the Word of God day after day after day after day after day. And every day you do not hide the Word of God in your heart. You're giving oxygen to pride. You're giving life to pride. You're giving power back to pride. You're letting loose the chains that, that are able to bind up pride and keep it chained down. Every day you go without the Word of God is another day pride has a chance to resurrect itself in your life. And the only way that you and I can overcome, bless the Lord, is through the Word of God. Do not think that pride won't rest on your throne if you don't have the Word of God. It will. It will automatically exalt itself. And we need to be aware of that, church. Finally, The devil shows up the last time, tempts Jesus with the lust of the eyes. Once again, Satan supernaturally, read it yourself, supernaturally takes Jesus to a very high mountain, the Bible says, and shows him, visually shows him all the kingdoms of the earth and all of their glory, the Bible says. Say it again. I said it last week. Satan has the power I don't know why the Holy Spirit wants me to say it, but Satan has the power to deceive you with supernatural visions, with supernatural dreams. He has the power to take you places in your imaginations and in your thoughts that God wants nothing to do with. Satan has the power to speak words into your life that seem good, that seem right that seem like they're filled with power, that seem like they're anointed by God, and they're nothing but words of the devil. They're nothing but visions from hell. They're nothing but visions from the devil. They're nothing but the words that the devil is trying to use to keep you away from the true power and anointing of God in your life. So be very careful who you listen to. Don't chase after dreams. Don't chase after visions. Don't chase after words. Don't chase after ministries. Wait for God Himself to reveal them to you and get direction from the Word of God. Because if you don't, you'll be destroyed. If you don't, you'll be lost. If you don't, you'll find yourself on that pinnacle throwing yourself down. And being destroyed, defiling your temple and defiling the house of God and defiling the kingdom of God and bringing a reproach to the name of God in your life. Be very careful who you follow and who you listen to. Find yourself a godly shepherd that's been tried and tested and listen to his words. Find yourself a godly individual that knows the word of God, that prays and seeks the face of God and is not given to every wind of doctrine. I'd rather have one faithful soul in my life than a hundred that are flipping about the Word of God. I'm very, very, very cautious of anyone that comes to me and says, God said this. God told me to tell you that. You mean I'm not close enough to God to hear by myself? I'm not close enough to God to get a word from God on my own. I'm not close enough to God or anointed from God. Now, listen to me. I know there's times people will come into your life and say, God has a word for you. But when they do, try them and try the word. Try them and test the word and see if it lines up with the word of God. If it doesn't, throw it out. If it doesn't, don't even chew on it. If it doesn't, don't even smell it. Don't even be tempted by its aroma. Get rid of it and throw it out of your life. That's not anywhere in my notes, but the Holy Spirit wanted me to say it for whatever reason. The devil shows up one last time and he tempts the devil with the lust of the eyes. Supernaturally, he takes him to a very high mountain. He shows him all the kingdoms of the earth and their glory. And what I want you to understand is happening here. And I only got to you know, a few more minutes, but everything Satan ruled over. Remember, he's the ruler of this earth. He's the prince of the air. He's been given authority over this entire earth. Everything Satan ruled over everything under his command, all the earth and all of its glory. The Bible says was offered to Jesus on this very high mountain all this will be yours, Jesus, Satan said, if you will just bow down and worship me. As far as the eyes can see, you see, it wasn't enough for Satan to just tell Jesus. He had to show Jesus. He had to to put a carrot in front of his eyes. He had to offer him and show him a little bling bling in order to, to, to stir up some fleshly desires inside. And listen, the devil does the same thing with you. Sometimes the word isn't enough. He's going to throw a little something in front of your eyes. He's going to tempt You with a magazine. He's going to tempt you with a website. He's going to tempt you with a with 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 some clothes that are hanging on a clothes rack at the front of the store. He's going to tempt you with a car that drives by, and it doesn't matter what kind of price tag is on it. I got to have it because it look. This is the way the devil works. He will tempt you with the eyes. He will tempt you with the lust of the eyes, and it's exactly what he did with Jesus. All of this. Listen, he didn't just show him one little city that he could see off the hill. He showed him the entire world in a vision. All this can be yours if you just bow down and worship me. If you just yield to my authority, if you just give in to my command and my control, it's all yours, Jesus. He put a carrot in front of his face. Listen to me, church. Satan will take you to a place of temptation just like he did Jesus. He's going to take. He'll 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 take you to very high places just to get you to bow down. He'll take you to CEO of a corporation. He'll take you to a penthouse suite in a corner office. He'll he'll put your name up in lights. He'll give you worldly acclaim and worldly wealth and worldly fortune just so that you will bow, just so that you will serve other gods. Now listen, I'm not saying God won't. And God can't exalt you. I'm not saying God won't bless you. I'm not saying God can't give you a corner office. I'm not saying God can't put you in a palace because God certainly can. I'm not saying that God can't give you a nice car and a nice house and some nice clothes. But you better understand, you better realize and and, and understand who you are bowing to in order to get those things. Because you might think you're bowing to God when in all reality you're bowing to the devil. You see, you and I can't serve both God and mammon. We can't serve the Father and we can't serve the filth of this world. We're either going to bow down to God or we're going to bow down to the devil. We're going to bow down to righteousness or we're going to bow down to unrighteousness. You need to understand this is what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us here, that the devil will take you to very high places just to get you to serve other gods. See Jesus? See Jesus? See, Pastor Jeff, look at all of this. Look at it. See, look. It can all be yours. He says the same to you. Everything this world has to offer, I'll give to you, Satan says. All of its pleasures, all of its popularity, all of its prestige, all of its pride, all of its power, it will all be yours if you will just bow down and worship me, if you'll just yield to me, if you'll just surrender to me, and if you will just make me Lord over your life. Listen, church, Satan's greatest goal is to get you to bow to him instead of bowing to Jesus Christ. His greatest goal is to get you to yield to his authority instead of the authority of the Word of God and, the word and, and God himself. His, his greatest goal is to get you to surrender to him instead of surrendering to God. Satan will dangle the world and all it contains in front of your eyes just to get you to bow and surrender to his authority. The sad reality is God's people are bowing every day to the stones of this world, to things that have no eternal value at all. We're giving in. We're surrendering just so we can have our name up in lights, just so we can have what we see. We need to understand God has called us to be different than that. God has called us to be like His Son, Jesus Christ, who is willing and able to speak the Word of God and overcome that temptation in His life. That's his greatest goal. Please get this, church. When the, da- when the devil dangled darkness before Jesus, he dispelled the darkness with the word of God. He said, be gone, Satan. He said, be gone, for you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. These were the words that he used, and we have to use the word of God ourselves. Listen, he will come at you with the lust of the flesh. He will tempt you with the lust of the flesh. He will tempt you with the pride of life. He will tempt you with the lust of the eyes. Why do you think David said, I will set no unclean thing before my eyes? Because he knew what happened when he looked at Bathsheba. He said this after he looked at Bathsheba and he found out that all hell broke loose in his life and how he lost lost God's anointing and blessing. When he opened his eyes to darkness, when he allowed his eyes to be set on unclean things, he said, I will not set my eyes on any unclean thing anymore because I know what happens when I do. I know what happens when I do. You and I need to understand that when we set our eyes on unclean things, when we set our gaze on the things of this world, when we are enthralled and, and captivated by what this world has to offer us, we will suffer just like David suffered. David understood that the eyes were like windows to the soul, letting in darkness or letting in light. And he knew what the power of darkness could do in his life. And the only way that we can overcome those temptations by what we see. Listen, and I'm serious with this. As simple as a thing as walk ladies, men. I, I say ladies because ladies in the stores, they get, ladies stuff's always in the front for whatever reason. The men's stuff hidden in the back. They'll put tools up for men and stuff. But the clothes are all for the ladies. If you don't have the money and you know... That you're not prepared to buy and you're walking down the store and the, the lust of the eyes begins to captivate you. Or man, when you're walking through the tool department, you need to speak the word of God. You need to begin to speak that there's, you know, you find a verse that applies to you. You find a verse that will help you overcome these things. That you can be content without all of these things. Be blessed without all of those things. That you need to be a faithful steward. God's called you to be a faithful steward. And I'm going to be faithful in the little that I have, God, so I'm not going to spend it here. You speak the word of God and it'll find, you'll find deliverance in your life. Go ahead and put on the music because I'm going to bring this to a close. Jesus was tempted by the lust of the flesh. He was tempted by the lust of the eyes. He was tempted by the pride of life. But what did he do all three times, church? He spoke the word of God. It seems to be a spiritual discipline that we so easily overlook. It's the foundational, it's the foundational discipline that will direct our entire spiritual life. And, and I promise you, it, it seems to be the one we overlook the most. It, the word just gets left behind. The word just gets overlooked. Well, I'll have time tomorrow. I'll have time next week. While I was just at church, I've said all these things. Look, I've been there myself. We've got to stop making excuses for a lack of spiritual discipline when it comes to taking in the word of God. And we must devote ourselves to the work of God. So I begin to close, I want you to understand what the devil was doing here in, in Matthew chapter 4. He was trying to get Jesus to take the easy path to power and the easy path to glory. He was saying, understand, you read it when you go home and you'll get a better understanding of what I'm saying. He was saying, Jesus, you don't have to deny yourself. Just turn these stones into bread and eat. He was saying to Jesus, you don't have to take up the cross, Jesus, to be exalted. Just bow down to me and I'll give you my entire kingdom. He was saying to Jesus, God's kingdom doesn't have to come, Jesus. God's will doesn't have to be done, Jesus. You can have all of this without the pain and without the cross if you will just bow to me. And it's exactly what Satan does with us as well. He tries to get us to take a shortcut to glory. And there's no such thing. You and I need to understand that there is no shortcut to godliness. There's no shortcut to God's anointing or blessing over our life. There's no shortcut to God's promises being fulfilled or His power being fulfilled. There's no shortcut to God's goodness and glory being part of our life. Because how many of you know that godliness and righteousness comes with a cost? The anointing and the power of God comes with a cost, church. It falls only on those with whom God is well pleased. Just like the the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus while he was being baptized. And he was proud to say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And he was not reluctant to put his anointing on his son. He wasn't reluctant to put his power on his son. He wasn't reluctant to, 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 to pour his authority into his son. Because it comes with a cost. The anointing and the power of God falls only on those who are willing to pay the price. You see, you and I need to understand that the crown comes after the cross, church. But the devil was telling Jesus, you can have the crown without the cross. He was telling Jesus, you can have this crown, you can sit on a throne, you can exercise authority, and you can do it without going to the cross. And the devil's going to do that same thing with you. He's going to tell you. That you can have power and you can have blessing and you can have goodness and you can have prosperity. And you can have all of these wonderful things that the world has to offer. And you can have it without pain. You can have it without discomfort. You can have it without sacrifice. You can have it without having to go to the cross. You can have it without having to deny yourself. You can have it all. If you'll just bow down and worship me. I want you to know that the only way you will ever drive away that kind of temptation, the only way you will ever drive away that kind of assault on your life is through the anointed word of God in your life. It is the only way that you will overcome. Jesus said, "These words I have spoken to you are life." And we cannot live without them. We cannot live without the word of God. We must start with the word We must finish with the Word because the Word of God says He is the author. He is the one that wrote the first word concerning your life. And He is the one that will write the last word concerning your life. So the question is whose plan are you going to trust? The devil, who's nothing more than a liar. Who makes all kinds of empty promises. If you if you do this, I'll do that. He's the father of lies. You might not go through any pain right now. You might not go through any suffering right now. You might not go through any hardship right now. You might live it up most of your life. But I promise you there is coming a day when the devil's promises will fail. And all of a sudden you will feel the pain. And you will feel the heartache. And you'll be destroyed in the midst of your sin. Because you listen to the word of the devil instead of listening to the word of God. If you're here tonight and you're saying, God, my spiritual discipline concerning your word is going to change tonight. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to hear your word. I'm going to listen to your word. I'm going to speak your word. I'm going to study your word. I'm going to obey your word. I'm going to trust your word. I'm going to lean on your word. I'm going to cling to your word. I'm going to starve and hunger after your word. If that's you tonight and you're willing to say, God, I'm going to make the word of God a priority in my spiritual discipline. I want you to stand with me tonight because we're finished with the word portion of the spiritual disciplines. And we're going to go on to whatever the Holy Spirit leads me with next week. But I want to say this, church, we cannot settle for stones. We cannot defile the temple and we cannot surrender to Satan. The only way that will happen is if this becomes the foundation of our faith. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this evening. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for your presence. I thank you, Father God, for whatever truth and revelation came forth this evening. I thank you, Father, whatever seed made its way into the soil of your people's soul. I thank you for whatever word it was that, that caused them to think about their spiritual condition and maybe even motivated them or stirred them to, to discipline themselves for the purpose of godliness, starting with the Word of God. Let the Word, I pray, Father God, be the anchor that holds. Let it be our daily bread, I pray. Let it be the thing that we cling to and long for. Let it be your revelation and truth. Let it be our guide. Let it be our strength. I'm not leaving out your Holy Spirit. I'm not leaving out Jesus. I'm not leaving out God. But God, all of those things are represented in your Word. So I'm praying that we would make the Word of God the foundation of our faith. The, The hope that we cling to the word that we believe in, the word that we obey, the word that we follow, the word that we share, the word that we speak, that it would become the power of God unto salvation in our lives and the lives of those around us. Let not the enemy steal one seed, one truth, one word, but let it find its way into the soil of our soul that we might bear fruit and fruit that lasts. We thank you for your precious holy word. We confess we cannot live without it. We give you the praise and we give you the glory. And all of God's people said, amen. Can we bless the Lord, church? Amen. If you have a special need, special prayer, I'd be happy to linger with you, tarry with you. Even if you want to come and confess personally that you need to solidify yourself in the word, I'd be happy to tarry with you. God bless you.